I've given my sermon, as I mentioned, I've given my sermon the title this morning, Our Great Ambition. And they come straight out of the text, uh, the New American Standard that I read from this morning in verse 9, which says, we also have as our ambition. If you have the English Standard Version, it says that we make it our aim. The NIV says we make it our goal. But those words are all synonyms. They talk about the same thing. They refer to what is most important to you. What you are pursuing the most in life. Your primary ambition, aim, or goal. You know, ambition can be a negative thing. People are often driven to ambition or to have ambition out of self-centeredness. And that can lead them to compromise their convictions and their values in order to get what they want. It might be the unscrupulous man who steps on and over other people to pursue his ambition to climb the corporate ladder. It might be the dishonest man who always trying to get the best deal even though it's not the honest deal to pursue his ambition of gaining more money. It might be the pastor who leaves his congregation broken hearted and in shambles because of his ambition to pursue a larger or more prominent church. It may be a young girl who compromises her personal values in order to achieve her ambition of becoming more popular. It might be the student who cheats on a test, plagiarizes a paper to pursue their ambition of getting a good grade. Ambition can lead people to seek wealth, prestige, power, and popularity no matter what the cost to their own values or to the lives of other people. The Bible condemns that kind of selfish and sinful ambition. The, the prophet Jeremiah had an assistant whose name was Baruch. Baruch was kind of Jeremiah's stenographer. He'd write down many of Jeremiah's prophecies. And one day the Lord had a message through Jeremiah for Baruch. And Jeremiah came to Baruch and he said to him, asking the question, Are you seeking great things for yourself? Then he said, do not seek them. But there is a, a noble ambition, a godly ambition, a worthy ambition that should be prominent in the life of every believer. You see, having ambition in itself is not a bad thing. As long as you have the right ambition, having a goal or pursuing an aim is not a bad thing. As long as you're pursuing or aiming for the things God would have you to aim. And what we find in our text this morning, I believe, is the Christian's great ambition. The thing that we should be most ambitious for. Three things from this text. First, we see the reality of that ambition. And it is clearly, as I've already said, it is to please God. Look again at verse 9. Therefore... We also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, 
to be pleasing to him. To please God should be the great ambition for everyone who claims the name of Christ. That should take precedence over everything else. Jesus said, what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Paul tells us, no matter what you're doing, whether you eat or drink, no matter what you do, do all to the glory of God. Did you hear that? No matter what you do, even if it's the most trivial of things, like eating or drinking, whatever you do, you're to do it as unto the glory of God. That is, you're to do it in a way that pleases Him. What does that mean in practical terms? Well, it means when you're at work and on your job, your main goal is not to make a profit or even to please your boss, but it's to please your Please God as you do your job. It means that when you're in your home, that you don't always try to win, but you do your best to please God by the way that you deal with your spouse or the way that you deal with your children. It means that in the church, that you're not always looking for others to minister to you, but you're seeking ways that You can please God by ministering to others. And so as a believer, your highest ambition, your greatest goal, your most important aim should be to please God. The text says we have as our ambition to be pleasing to him. I'm going to go to some other texts this morning. You turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. You have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5. We find something very interesting in this text about this whole matter of pleasing God. In the first part of the chapter, in verses 3 through 5, Paul had named a number of sins. Immorality, impurity, greed, filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, coveting, idolatry. And then he says in verse 6, let no one deceive you. With empty words. For because of these things, those things he just described, these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. God clearly is not pleased with those kinds of things. And then he gives the alternative. Verse 7 Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then verse 9 is a parenthetical section about the fruit of the light. Then he says in verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So if you take out the the parenthesis for just a moment and draw together what his train of thought from verse 8 to verse 10. He says, walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. To the Lord. You see, pleasing God involves a learning process. We've got to learn how to do it. We aren't bored knowing what pleases God or how to please God. We've got to try to learn what pleases Him. But the wonderful thing is, God tells us, doesn't He? We have His Word where He clearly tells us 
how it is that we can please him. And we're going to find that more fully in another text. But if you go with me to, to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. These are familiar verses, but I want you to look at them with me this morning uh, again. I refer to these verses often because to me they're two of the greatest summaries of the Christian life that uh, we have in the Bible. Because we see that we please God by giving ourselves wholeheartedly and unreservedly to Him. We, as Paul says, we present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice when we are not conformed to this world in our thought process, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. Look at verse 1, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And you see how important it is. This is something he's urging us to do. He says, I urge you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. I'm not sure what all the translations or how they all translate that word acceptable, but it's the same word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 5 9 about being pleasing to God. It pleases God when you present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice, when you give yourself completely to Him and say, Here I am, take me. Here I am, use me. When you present yourself as a sacrifice, it pleases God. And then in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. There's that word again. Acceptable in my text. It's the word pleasing in 2 Corinthians 5.9. It is as we have our minds transformed to conform to the teaching of God and God's word that we prove what God's will is. And Paul says that will is good, it's acceptable or pleasing, and it is perfect. Along with that, we please God by doing good, good works and bearing spiritual fruit. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. This is the middle of a prayer. Or Paul at least telling the Colossians those things for which he prayed for them. Let's begin with verse 9. Colossians 1, 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's his prayer, that they would know God's will, be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. And here's the expected result, verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, there's a direct connection between our knowledge and our behavior, between what we know and what we do. 
You see what Paul is doing here? He's praying for Colossian Christians, people who were a part of a church there in the city of Colossae. And he said, I pray for you that you would gain more spiritual knowledge, that you would understand the truth of God's word, that you would grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding so that, so that you can then take that knowledge and that understanding and that wisdom And you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If there's no connection between your study of the Bible and the way you live your life, there's a major disconnect somewhere. If there's no relevance between what we study here on Sunday mornings, what we learn from God's Word, there's no relevance from this to how you conduct yourself and behave yourself. And then somehow we're just missing the boat entirely. Because our gaining of knowledge and wisdom and understanding is to help us walk or live in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in every way and bearing spiritual fruit. And it's interesting, the Bible says that in order to please God, you must live by faith. You must walk by the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. You know, the Bible holds those two things opposite each other, walking in the flesh or walking in the Spirit, living in the flesh, living in the Spirit. The Bible says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then in Hebrews he says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Those are two absolute statements. Those who are in the flesh, living in the flesh, living by the flesh, cannot please God. On the other hand, it is impossible to please God unless you are living by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so if you have as your ambition to be pleasing to God, you must live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, and walk by faith. Now, this is a biblical principle. This whole matter of pleasing God, having as your ambition to please God, is something that applies to the children also. Why don't you turn over to Colossians chapter 3. We read the first part of Colossians 3 earlier this morning. You parents can take, you can take a little break here for a few minutes if you want to. I want to talk to the children. You children, get with me just for a moment, okay? The Bible gives you a very clear and specific way to please God. The Bible says in verse 20 of Colossians 3, Children, see the Bible is addressing you. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. Why? For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You hear that? If you as a young person have as your ambition to please God, one primary way God has given you to do that at this stage in your life 
is by obeying your parents and by doing what they say. And notice that it doesn't say that God is just pleased with it. God is well pleased. It really pleases him when children obey their parents. But you can turn that around, can't you? And you can understand how displeased God is when you don't. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Well, what is the biggest hindrance in your life to you really having pleasing God as your great ambition? Let me ask that another way. As you look at your life, who is it that you try to please the most? I know who it is in my life. If I'm really honest with myself, I try to please other people. I'm a people pleaser. I like for people to like me. I like for people to be happy with me. I, I like to think people approve of me. I like to think that they think I've done a good job when I'm given some kind of responsibility. It's so bad that sometimes when I leave a, a significant meeting that I have conducted or directed, I'll just be real honest, when I used to be chairman of the shepherding committee of the Presbytery, Either on my way home or the next day, I would call one of my best friends and say, okay, you tell me, how did I do? You know, I was asking, don't you? I said, were the people pleased? Was the committee pleased with how I conducted that meeting? Now, you might say, on one hand, that's a good thing. After all, Jesus says that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? As ourselves, if it's not by trying to please other people. But when pleasing others either becomes more important or gets in the way of pleasing God, then it is a problem. That was King Saul's problem. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, you know, God had told Saul to defeat the Amalekites and their king Agag. He was to put Agag to death. He was to destroy everything that Agag had. All the Amalekites and all the possessions of the Amalekites were to be destroyed. Nothing was to be spared. And even though Saul defeated the Amalekites, he didn't do everything God said. He didn't kill Agag. And he allowed the people to take some of the spoil. The spoil of victory. And so as you know, God was not pleased with that. And he sent Samuel to confront Saul. And Saul's answer to Samuel was very revealing. Look at verse 24, 1 Samuel 15, 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed 
transgressed the command of the Lord and your words. Why? Because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Saul was more concerned about pleasing the people and doing what they wanted than listening to God and doing what he said. When pleasing others becomes more important than pleasing God, then we have the wrong ambition and the wrong goal. Look with me at Galatians chapter 1. You know, Paul struggled with the same thing. Galatians 1, verse 10. Where he says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men... I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And so it's clear that, that Paul had some issues with that himself. And if you go over to one more text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. And so the practical question of the day is, what drives you in your life? What is your primary ambition in life? Is it to please yourself? To achieve your own goals, to pursue your own happiness, to do your own thing regardless of the cost. Is it to please yourself? Is it, or is it to please others? To try to make other people happy, to, to try to do things in a way that other people will accept you, embrace you, compliment you, think well of you, or Is your great ambition in life to please God? To do what He says? To do His will? Regardless what other people think? Or regardless what it might do to your own standing in social circles? That is to be our great ambition, to be pleasing to Him in all respects. I do want to go back to our text, to the full text in 2 Corinthians as I conclude this morning. Because we see two things from the context in which this verse is found. And one is we find the scope, the scope of this ambition that we have. Notice the context is between, contrast Paul gives between life on earth and life in heaven. And how in verse 1 we have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, And he goes on to talk about this whole matter of being absent uh, from the body or in present with the Lord or present with the Lord and absent from the body. And and how as believers, you know, our great desire is finally one day to be absent from the body, present with God. But his whole point is it doesn't matter where we are in life. 
whether we are still at home in the body and as it were absent from the Lord, or if we are absent from the body and at home with the Lord, our one great desire and goal is what? To please God. And we all know that when we get to heaven, we'll be all about pleasing God, don't we? We understand that's what heaven is. Heaven's all about pleasing God, but don't you understand the Christian life is all about making things on earth as much like heaven as we possibly can. The choir sang this morning the Lord's Prayer, didn't it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How? On earth, as it is in heaven. Your great ambition in heaven is going to be to please God. The Bible says there's to be a transference. That what will be your experience and ambition in heaven should be your experience and your heaven, your ambition here on earth. We should long to please Him. That's the scope of it. It doesn't matter if you're on earth, in heaven. It encompasses all of our lives. And then finally... We see the basis of this ambition. And I want to give you two briefly. One's implied, one's stated. As in so much of the gospel, the basis for ambition to please God is Jesus, isn't it? Remember what, remember what God said about his son? Both at his baptism and the transfiguration. This is my beloved son in whom what? I am well pleased. Jesus' life pleased his Father. And you know why? It's because of what Jesus' attitude was. He he said, "I, I came not to do my own will, but I came to do the will of him who sent me. And God said of his Son, I am pleased with that. And if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, we need to follow that example of trying to do the Lord's will in every way so that God would be pleased with us. But there's a stated, there's a stated basis here in the text. Verse 10, where Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Part of the basis for living your life when it pleases God is because one day you're going to have to stand before him and give an account of it. That ought to get your attention. Now, the judgment seat of Christ here that he refers uh, to in verse 10 is different from the great white throne from which Jesus is going to pronounce judgment and condemnation upon unbelievers, from which they will be cast into eternal destruction. If you're in Christ this morning, you're going to be spared that. You understand that? Let me make that clear. There is no double jeopardy for your sin. Jesus has paid the price for your sin. He took it upon himself. He was judged in your place for your sin. And God is not going to judge that sin a second time. But you will, as the Bible says, 
be recompensed for what you've done in the body, whether good or bad. There is some kind of system of rewards in heaven. I was not real clear about it, but it's clear there are some system of rewards, and it's going to be based on what you've done on earth. And the more you've lived your life to please God, the more rewards you will have. God's going to recompense you according to what you've done in the body, whether good or bad, to the degree that you have had as your ambition to please Him. That's what it says in the context. And that's the basis, that's their motivation, because we have the example of Jesus. And one day we'll give an account. So the question is this morning, out of all things that you're ambitious about in life, where does your ambition to please God rank? How important is it to you every day that you live your life in a way that pleases him? Is that really your personal ambition? Are you conscious daily of wanting to please him? And and that really is where the rubber meets the road in the Christian life. That's really where we can tell something about our relationship with him. Because the Bible says if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. The more you love God, the more you want to please him. I love my wife. And the big part of every day is asking myself, how can I please her? And that's the way it is in our relationship with God. If we love Him, a big question that drives us every day is, how can I please Him? God help us to make that truly to be our great ambition in life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. It's clarity. It's power. And I pray that all of us this morning would be convicted to some degree. And I pray that you would give us zeal to have as our great ambition to live in a way that pleases and honors you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.